Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. everyone. Welcome back to Two Adoptive Mamas. Liz and Sarah here. Hi guys. And we are with Betsy Graham. Betsy and I met at a Show Hope fundraising event back in 2016, um, but actually not at an actual event. It was at the ice cream shop um, down the street. Um, and we had some mutual connections and realized, hey, like we're moving up to Pennsylvania in you know whatever month it was. And we were like, oh, uh, we're moving up there too. And so it was just crazy to see. Um, we were in, we had just brought home our daughter, uh, first adoption. And I think you were in the midst of your second, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was really cool to make that connection. And then we were able to move to similar area, similar areas. And, um, as we'll talk about tonight, uh, kind of join together in a support group and we're excited to dive into that with you, Betsy. So welcome to two adopted mamas. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here. I love you guys. (laughs) We are excited to have you um, and just to hear more of your story. So let's, let's get started. And uh, can you share with our listeners how you became an adoptive mama? Just a little bit about that journey. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So my husband and I, when we met, we immediately started talking about kids. Um, And after we got married, we tried to have kids for about two years until we had an ectopic pregnancy, which uh, of course ended in unfortunately a miscarriage. And so then that was in 2013. And then almost to the date of 2014, we had another ectopic pregnancy. And this time that resulted in surgery. And that was just devastating because at the second time we were just like, Lord, we believe that you can give us a child because that's what we're praying for. That's what you put the desire in our hearts for. And now it's gone again. Um, And my husband at the time was in the army. And so we, right after my ectopic pregnancy, moved from North Carolina to Kentucky. And when we moved in to our house in Kentucky, um, our neighbor, first time ever met her, came over and said, hey, next week at our church, there's this great adoption night event. Would you like to come? And I was like, hi, I'm Betsy. Um, Maybe. Uh, bye. (laughs) And so then of course, I mean, we had always talked about adoption, but because of the loss, the experience, we were like, we don't know if we ever want to even consider kids again. So we were praying a lot about it, but we really felt like this random stranger (laughs) was a sign from the Lord. So we went to the adoption night and it felt like this huge sign was on the stage saying, adopt Tom and Betsy adopt. (laughs) And the next day we sent our application in and And actually, now that we look back, that was the same day that our son in South Korea was relinquished from his birth mom. And so just like that connection, that's how the whole first adoption was. And so that was in um, September 
14. And then we traveled to Korea January 2016 to bring him home. And um, he, oh my gosh, I missed the best part. In April 2015, so okay, we had our ectopic pregnancy April 2013, April 2014, and then April 2015, on the exact day of the ectopic pregnancy, we saw my son's picture for the first time. That's when they sent us his file. And it just felt like the Lord was saying, I have good things for you here. Like, I'm still here. I love you. I see you. And it was just so special. <laughs> and so um, we traveled in January 2016. And then by June 2016, um, our social worker was visiting every two months. Those are Korean roles. So she visited January and March, and then she came in June. And she was like, are you guys ready to adopt again? And my husband immediately was like, yes. And it was, it floored me because I was like, no, no, this is really hard. No. But he was like, yes, I feel like the Lord's leading us. And she said, well, I have a little girl in mind for you. And we were like, this is not how it normally happens. Um, and she said, well, just think about it. And then of course we sent it in our paperwork for the next day. <laughs> and we got matched with our daughter, um, <laughs> who is 15 months younger than our son. And so then we traveled back to Korea in June, 2017, which was less than a year since from start to finish of home study, which is very rare international adoption with Korea. And then we moved again to Pennsylvania and that's when uh, Liz and I started meeting up a lot and um, we adopted again and brought our, our third child home from South Korea in 2019. So we have three wonderful, lovely children, six, five, and three. That's amazing. I know that our listeners can't see this, but I'm looking over your shoulder at that adorable picture of them hanging on your wall. So they are beautiful kiddos. And thank you for sharing that awesome story. It's so neat how God lines up the dates and just, you know, just that reassurance that um, like we're not guaranteed, but that he gives to us just to remind us that he's in that walk with us. So thanks, mm -hmm. Betsy. So something that we say a lot at to adoptive mamas is hard is hard. And so what is something that is hard for you in just your daily mom life? Hmm. Hard is hard. It's um, definitely, I think right now the hard part for me is um, I am outgoing and extroverted and at least one of my children is not. <laughs> and so um, my desire to be with other people and open my home and um, pour out and pour out outside my home is exactly the opposite of what he desires. He wants to stay home. He wants to stay with the people he knows and loves. It's, it's a big comfort out of his comfort zone to do all these extroverted activities. And so I am learning to care for him and really show him safety and love. I need to say no to more things. So my boundaries and my um, my boundaries need to be a lot wider than I think they are. And so sometimes I find myself asking too much of him and myself. And, uh, then I'm kind of like, ah, I should have said no to this. We needed more time. Or I spread myself too thin on nothing left to give. Um, so boundaries is hard. Boundaries are very hard for me right now, uh, especially with COVID. I'm longing for adult interaction and yet it's, it's hard it's hard to balance everything and put his knees before my own. I, I mean, not, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. I think um, you touched on something that probably a lot of, well, you know, 
it, because of COVID, a lot of us have not seen people um, in a while and we're just starting to. And so our like natural tendency is to be like, get the kids out of the house. Let's go. Let's all be outside. Let's all be together. And like you said, not every kiddo, um, that's not where their needs are. And so I think being able to balance that is probably something that a lot of us are um, walking through right now, whether extroverted or introverted, just by nature of what our world walked through um, recently. But added layers, of course, with everything else too. So um, could you share something maybe that you wish was talked about more in the adoption community, um, but maybe you haven't heard, you haven't heard that discussed often? I was just telling a friend the other day that something I wished more people told adoptive moms up front was that this is hard. And it's gonna be hard for as long as you know the child, it could be at least. The um, side effects of adoption, the trauma doesn't really go away. I mean, there are, it affects them and um, it might morph and change, but um, it's still there and you still need to be cognizant of it. They're not orphans anymore, but they were once orphaned. Um, and it isn't like this, oh my gosh, they're here and it's all wonderful and beautiful and that's it. Like it is wonderful and beautiful, but there is a lot of pain and hard stuff you're dealing with that sometimes gets overlooked. But I think more now we're talking about that. And it's a really good place to be where you say like, this is good and hard. This is bad and beautiful. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be just one thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I know that both you and Liz can relate to the international experience and I'm more, I'm on the domestic side, but I think like, I'm, I'm just thinking through the home study and like the weight per se. And there's so much emphasis on how that is hard. And then you bring, you know, a child home and it's like a whole other ball game. So yeah. Totally. And, and that's forever. Like the weight doesn't last forever. The, the paperwork and like all of that. I mean, that's temporary. Um, but then there's just life. So Yes. I kind of, I tell people like, so, cause they'll be like, oh my gosh, this paperwork takes forever. Or, oh, this is so expensive. Or, and I'm like, this is nothing. Honestly, Mm -hmm. that weight and all that like prep work is nothing compared to like the actual heart work you're going to be doing once the child's home. Mm -hmm. And that heart work is so rewarding. Um, but it's work (laughs) and uh, it just, we can't be naive about it. (laughs) And that's probably good. I mean, I know that not all of our listeners are adoptive or foster parents. I mean, that's parenthood, right? I mean, (laughs) the nine months and everything leading up to that when you're having biological children, like then you start to dig in and it gets real. So yeah, that's a great point. So Betsy, we know that you are passionate about serving adoptive families and orphan care. So what steps have you taken in your community to serve? Tell us a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's okay, I want to tell you first, why I'm so passionate about serving adoptive and foster families. Yes, Um, please do. (laughs) So uh, as I said, we we adopted our son from South Korea and we were in the army. So we didn't have any family around us, nor did we have any children in our lives. So literally when we first took custody of our son, I did not know how to take off his shirt. It was really um, like real life. Like I just never never babysat. I didn't know anything about babies. And and so when we brought our child home, I walked off the plane, literally shaking, not from cold, but from fear. 
I was like, how am I going to do this? I just don't know what to do. And as I walked off the plane, our um, small group for my church was there. Um, it's actually adoption support group, small group um, from my church was there and they had all these signs and balloons. And they just said, we love you. Welcome home. And um, it was just kind of like, we're here for you. Like I was scared of what to do. And they were like, we're here. And um, we, we got home and every day they brought us food. People went grocery shopping for us. Um, people mowed our lawn. And a woman came and prayed with me just once a week while JJ was napping. Um, it was incredible. And I, mean, just, I just saw the beauty of the community coming around us. Um, and none of them had like these super young adopted kids. It wasn't like they were, um, oh, I totally understand everything you're going through. I didn't need like this soulmate on a connection of that level. I just needed someone to come and physically, tangibly help me. And they did. They proved it in so many ways. And so ever since that experience, I just longed to be those people to other people. <laughs> I want to be that support to <laughs> people that walk off the plane and they're like, eyes wide, how are we going to do this? Um, I, I wasn't alone and you're not alone. That's my message. Like, you're not alone. We're here for you. We're cheering for you. And like I said before, it's hard. So um, that support needs to last. It isn't like, oh, two weeks and never mind. Bye. You're good now. So anyway, <laughs> the whole point of this is that we because of that, we started an adoption support group in our house for anyone who was interested in adoption or adoptive families, foster families. Um, and we just wanted to create this community that understood each other and kind of like promised to be there for each other, whether it was through prayer or meals or signs when you got home. I mean, both superficial and deep things. We wanted to be the support. So Betsy, with the adoption support group that you started in your home, um, I know this past year has been hard um, with uh, everything going on where, you know, you haven't been able to welcome everyone into your home. Can you share some ways that you have been kind of that tangible help um, to the other families, whether it's in your support group or in your community? Um, so that question one, can you share some tangible ways? And then question two, can you share some ways that um, maybe haven't been in person, uh, but have been trying to give some of those tangible pieces that we can, we can kind of impart to other mamas. Hmm. Totally. So um, the first question for our personal adoption support group, um, at first with COVID, the moms were um, Zooming, which a lot of people were doing, right? So we had a time that we would Zoom and it was so sweet because we would uh, Zoom way longer than we thought we would. We were just talking, talking, talking. It was so sweet to kind of just share things. And then um, as we kind of got the COVID parameters, like we understood more about what we needed to do, we realized that um, it still would be good to meet, but just, just moms and with care and caution. And so we tried to meet once a month at uh, like kind of like a neutral location. If we could, it would be outside or um, at a restaurant. I don't even know if we did a restaurant. I think we did a few when it was like warmer, but basically just meeting together. I, I don't think anything is as good as meeting um, in person. Um, I can text, I can send cards or emails, I can check in, but there's nothing like meeting face-to-face. -face. And so we really, I really, really wanted um, to meet face-to-face. -face. And when we did, it was like balm. Um, 
to our souls. Like we were just talking, talking, talking. We kind of just went around the circle and said, okay, you give us an update. And then we got to ask that person whatever questions we wanted. And then it just be kind of around and it was like, oh my gosh, you went through that or good job or how's that new job? All these things. Or how's your son? How's the therapy? And it was just wonderful. I really, really lament. Uh, and I use that word very carefully because I, I really am longing to meet again um, and have our children meet again and to really have the dads involved too. Um, but yeah, so our, as our group, that's what we tried to do. And I tried to do like maybe some hikes or um, outdoor things like at playgrounds. But in general, um, something that I've been trying to do more is share our story on Facebook, <laughs> uh, just to kind of get people reading posts about our adoption or sharing things about adoption, sharing your podcast. Because I would say maybe like in the last couple of months, maybe like six or seven people have reached out to me individually and just asked about adoption. Like, because maybe um, when I go in the store, I call myself the poster mom for adoption because it's so clear that my children aren't are not biologically related to me. And so people will come up and ask the questions. And I feel like I've kind of take ownership, taken ownership of that and been like, okay, I love adoption. I'm here to ask and answer any question. Um, so I felt a little bit of like a, ah, I'm helping in this way by helping these people <laughs> on Facebook or by phone calls. Yeah. No, that's really great, Betsy. And I would say, I mean, Liz, you probably experienced this too. Like once people find out that you have adopted or you have experience, like you kind of become their go-to person. And I think, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be too bold to say we have the responsibility, but like God has entrusted us with our stories to share and glorify him through that. And so I think that that's a great point. I mean, that's a very simple way. If someone like opens the door and gives you that opportunity to share, um, that's, that's really neat. So Betsy, um, I think you have shared some really, uh, beautifully phrased things and in, in kind of like a missional focus that for is that a word, I think it is missional focus of just, you know, how you care about ad adoption, how you care for your family. Um, but you have like on one side, you have, you know, all of this support and love for people who have already adopted. And then you have this very missional minded focus for like all the people who haven't adopted yet or uh, want to know more about adoption. So how do you care for you uh, when you're kind of like going in both directions for post-adoption and pre-adoption? So how do I care for myself as I'm trying to care for people around me? Isn't that the $1,000 question for all moms, right? Yes, that's why I asked know. it, Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> you have the answer, Betsy. <laughs> if only, right? If only I did. Um, I, I have to admit, um, recently, I have been forcing myself to take a 15 to 20 minute rest every day at rest time for my kids. So my kids have an hour of rest time all at the same time. And um, they each are in their separate rooms. And before I would use this to do all kinds of chores. Cause of course, like who doesn't want to have a clean house and bills paid. But I realized when my kids were done with quiet time and they needed me, I was like, oh, oh, okay. So I take this 15, 20 minute rest and it is like great. Like I really didn't realize how much you needed it. And I know that seems small, but just try it. You never know. Something else that um, really, is true is um, the Lord being the vine and we are the branches that we can do no good thing unless we're connected to him. And I really believe that if I'm going to care for others, I need to be spending time with the Lord daily. And so whether that's 
sometimes it's literally just putting my Bible app on my phone and listening to it while I'm showering and doing my hair and just kind of praying through that. Other times it's doing a devotional journaling, but just spending time with the Lord is honestly the best way to care for myself. And the third thing, which is superficial, but baking, like it is so, so relaxing and so therapeutic. You get to make something with your hands. So I'm not creative in the arts, but I'm creative in baking. And um, then I get to eat it and share it with people. And that's the way I can care for people. So I care for myself by baking and then I care for people by giving them my baked goods. And it's like a win-win. Oh, I love that because you, you took care of like your physical body, your spiritual and emotional health, and then you did something really tactile. And like, I don't know if you planned that, but like, those were, those are three like really great areas for us as mamas to think about, not only for caring for our kiddos um, and how like we can pour out to them, but also caring for ourselves and then caring for other moms. And my bet is that any mom who's listening, um, or even those who aren't listening, like you're, you know, you're passionate about caring for somebody. And so, um, if you continuously pour out, but don't pour in, um, the well will run dry. We serve a big God who never has his well run dry. Um, but he does, I think, give us responsibility to care for ourselves um, and asks us to, and he provides what we need, but we need to, we need to take it. So I think I just love how you said that. And I'm grateful for you to share that insight with us. Thank you. Yeah. And I just want to say, I mean, Betsy, we're, we are acquaintances. I don't know you as well as Liz does, but one thing I, I have come to know about you is how well you care for others. And I think it's important for listeners to hear that I think sometimes we assume the people that care so well for others like don't need self-care or that they are just like they can they're the energizer bunny they can just keep going keep going and so I think it's really valuable to hear that you are investing in yourself in those three ways um and that like you said Liz it's not endless and we don't want to run dry as the caretakers so thanks for sharing that you're being so kind to me. Thank you. <laughs> We're just trying to get baked, guys. So. <laughs> oh my God, it's my greatest pleasure to give someone baked goods. I'm serious. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Betsy. So what are some ways that our listeners could get involved in their communities, whether it's adoption support groups or otherwise? Okay. So um, I am very passionate about this. Um Mary Beth Chapman has this quote that is, um, not everyone's called to adopt, but everyone's called to do something. And um, Focus on the Family came out with this awesome picture of like an adoptive family and then 10 to 15 families surrounding them. And, and this is kind of their ideal for how adoption and foster care should work. So you have this family in the middle who is doing the actual care for orphans like the physical, tangible care. But then the rest of the families are tangibly caring for that family. And they also, in turn, are caring for orphans. And um, so those families on the outside can do very practical things for adoptive and foster families. Um, so say you have someone in your family that recently brought home a child or um, had a new placement in foster care, you can offer them a meal, baked goods, of course, um, childcare, like even if you say, I will come and I will sit while your kids watch a movie so you can go rest, or you can offer this family prayer support, which is 
huge adoption in foster care is spiritual warfare. There's so much going on that you're fighting against emotionally and spiritually, and prayer is so helpful. Um, you can cut the grass. You can go grocery shopping. It was literally a godsend for grocery shopping. And I didn't have, I mean, now we kind of have these awesome things where you can order everything online and like Walmart would deliver it. Um, but still, just like the the way of someone bringing me groceries and I had to leave with this child who was who felt so unsafe and unsettled was a gift. Other ways that people could help, donating clothes or um, like bookshelves or toys. I mean, when a, sometimes a foster family has like hours to prepare before their next placement and it, and it could be a 12-year-old child who they've only had infants. So they're going to need 12-year-old clothing and that child's going to need school clothes and a lunch bag and a backpack. I mean, there's so many little things that you could do that would mean a lot for that child and that family. And again, that is caring for orphans. It isn't, nothing's too small. Um, and it is such a gift to, to be able to help these families, truly. Um, one, I, there's a very special couple that we met. Um, he, he's Korean and she is Caucasian, but she learned Korean for him. And um, when we were bringing our children home, the children in Korea are taken care of by foster parents. And so we had the opportunity to write letters to these foster parents. Well, this couple, this Korean man and the Caucasian woman would translate our English letters into Korean and they made books for us. So I would write, this is your mom, right? In English. And then he would write whatever <laughs> in Korean. And then I sent it to the foster family and um, it meant so much. They did it for all three of our children and um, they are dear to us because of the way they served us and loved us. And um, recently they moved to the area and we see them a couple, every couple months. And like they told us it meant so much to them to play that small role. So it was like this mutual thing of like, they were blessing us and we were blessing them to include it. And I think that's what this is all about. That whole like the adoptive family in the middle and everyone on the outside, like we're all one big community and it is a joy to be any part of it. And I think some people missed out on that. Yeah, those are amazing examples, Betsy. And I just, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us tonight and um, just be real about ways to support each other and make sure that we are caring for ourselves. And it's always just such a gift to hear another adoptive story and how God has weaved together your family. And so thank you for just the personal mission that you have of, of sharing about adoption and caring for others. And um, we just really appreciate you talking to us about that tonight. So thank you for sharing. And remember to our listeners, until we meet again, you've got this mama. Thanks so much for listening. In this episode, we were able to connect with Betsy Graham, fellow adoptive mom and superhero at building community among adoptive and foster families. She shared her family's story in addition to her mission to care for others and yourself. Her genuine heart and tender spirit were such an encouragement to us. We just loved this conversation and hope you did too. If you haven't already, click subscribe so that you don't miss what's next with the two adoptive mamas. And if you're feeling extra generous, we'd love a review. Thanks in advance. Until next week, remember, you've got this mama. Thank you.